in our testimony, there's power in sharing the things that God does for us through the trials, the difficulties, but ultimately through the successes, through the spirit that God gives us. And so I want to say welcome to all of you who are here for the first time. Maybe someone brought you and uh, maybe you've come a couple times. I'm just glad that you're here. You look good. And uh, I'm ready to preach the word this morning. Um, And uh, I'm excited for a bunch of different reasons, but I am really excited to share this message. It's kind of like very practical and kind of like a Bible study uh, because I've been feeling as, I don't know about you, but I've been feeling like next year is is a year God really wants to just break open for us as a church and for me personally. Um, I'm just reflecting on a lot of things and as Becky mentioned earlier, I just feel like something, something's coming. Um, you know, I, I believe in, if you, if you read history, I'm kind of a history buff, and uh, there's always a movement of resistance. It kind of works through history, where something comes up strong, and then something comes up stronger, and it's kind of this, it's balance. And I, I just feel like this year has been such an unraveling of what we know to be normal, uh, so much change in things that we thought we can count on. And I just believe that God is really pushing a, a church and a movement that resists what the world would call normal. That will resist and show what true love is in the face of hate. To show what true uh, freedom is in the face of dysfunction. And uh, I believe in praying for our leaders. I, you ought to pray for your elected leaders. I'm not going to tell you what to pray. That's between you and God. But you ought to pray for elected leadership. uh, And you ought to pray for the government. You ought to pray for those things. uh, Because for me, I I err on the side of justice. Can I just tell you the truth here? I err on, I, I lean on the side. I feel like my heart leans toward those who are marginalized, who are impoverished, who are overlooked who are under the radar. And and I believe that you ought to pray for for elected leadership because you you pray that God will raise up people to walk into Washington and say, thus saith the Lord. Because the church has a way of being quiet when things are either going in their favor or they're not. And I've noticed a lot of church movements that have been quiet because some people are are really favorable for what they see in Washington. But I believe that we are in not a democracy in the spirit. We are in a monarchy and we serve a king. And the Bible tells us that he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. The Bible says the church will follow him because they hear his voice. And there is a voice that the people of God have. And there's a voice that needs to be heard. And it's a voice that when you come into this church, you see black and white, you see Hispanic, Latino, you see a whole bunch of different families, a whole bunch of educational classes, you see a whole bunch of economic brackets, ages, because we set the standard on what heaven should look like on earth. We're not hiding, we're not running. So, I come from the the black tradition of preachers that that have always been political. And I'm not afraid of politics. Amen. I'm not afraid of policy. 
and change. And I, I just feel like God is doing something this year, not only in, in our city, but in the world. And I believe that what we're doing here is going to have impact throughout the nation and throughout the world as we begin to launch new things in our region. And so in order to get ready for this, I got a real practical message for you today. And I want to talk about being game day ready. Talk about being game day ready, playing the big game. Father, we just thank you for the message today, what you have to say for us. May we receive it in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Game day ready. I'll tell you what. For Christmas, I got a lot of gifts. I mentioned my mom was here. I mentioned, uh, well, I didn't mention some of the wonderful gifts that I got. Uh, But there was one gift that I got that I believe was a prophetic gift. It lets me know that the Lord is with me. Let's me know that the Lord is on my side. Many have come against me. Many have tried to take us down. But the Lord is with us. And if the Lord is with us, then who can be against us? The Lord provided for me. I'm ready to preach now. When we were down and out, when we were discouraged, when our back was against the wall and we ran out of running backs, the Lord saw fit that he would provide a ram in the thicket. His name is Marshawn Lynch. My God is able to do exceedingly and abundantly all we could ask or think. I wonder if I'm preaching to the congregation this morning. That when the evil one had come against our running backs, when the evil one had come against our backfield, with injury, try to devour our season, try to destroy our Super Bowl run. The Lord was not with the Dallas Cowboys. Come on, somebody say amen. He wasn't with them. The Lord wasn't with the Los Angeles Rams. Someone has sinned against the Lord, but the Lord, yea, the Lord. It's <laughs> a good King James word, yea, the Lord has provided Marshawn Lynch. It was interesting when I saw the news. Some of you might remember that Marshawn Lynch was visiting the Seahawks a couple weeks ago. Uh, When uh, Penny went out, one of our running backs went out, uh, Marshawn Lynch stopped by to say hi. Now, you got to understand that he has not played in the NFL for a while. It's been a little while since he played. But when we lost Carson, a strong running back, and when we lost C.J. Proshites, and we lost running backs, we, we were in dire need. And someone made a call, said we need to find some people that know the system. We need to find some people that, that see the vision. We need to find some people that can come alongside and help us in our time of need. And so the moves went out that Marshawn Lentz signed with the Seahawks. I can't tell you how I felt. I just began to weep over the news. 
that our season was not in vain. Trials come. Difficulties. Uncertainties. But the Lord provides. See, see, see what's interesting about Marshawn Lynch. And the question will be on tomorrow if he's game day ready. He's been great in the past. He hasn't played in a while. But is he really prepared to face what he's going to face on tomorrow? It's not that he's just coming along to help. He's coming along as the answer. He is actually going to play and we're actually going to need him in order to win on tomorrow. Now, what's interesting is I saw this clip of what Marshawn Lynch had been preparing for before he signed. Look at this video of him. His, there, here is his trainer taking him. Uh, and he, he's been training for a couple weeks and getting ready. And uh, this video should show uh, how his trainer has preparing him. Look at this. Just beating the brakes off of him so that he can get used to what the punishment he's going to take in the game. Now, somebody hits me like that at least one or two times, I'm going to retire and I'm going to find an attorney because I can't take too much of that. I can't take too many of those hits. But, but I love this because he is preparing and he has been preparing just in case. Just in case he's called upon. And so I want, I want to let you know that there's, there's a Marshawn Lynch in your Christian experience. There, there's somebody, there's some things that you need to bring back onto the field. There's some things that as believers that you should be doing that you're going to need. Because the reality is the t- tests and trials that you may have endured this week or maybe even endured in 2019, they're getting you ready for game day. And game day is the day that the Lord says to you, now it's your time. Now it's your opportunity to see what you and I can do in the face of great adversity, in the face of great trial. When everything looked like it wasn't going to work out, I've I've got somebody, I've got some things that I wanted you to practice. I want to give you so that you can be ready for game day. There was a Marshawn Lynch, so to speak, in the Bible, one of the disciples of Jesus that was a Marshawn Lynch. His name was Peter. He was one of those disciples that was a little bit misunderstood. He was a little bit rough around the edges. And Peter had a way of bulldozing and running through situations. He had a way with his mouth to speak things before he really had all the, all the information. And Peter was a bit of a running back. He was a bit of a powerhouse. That's how Peter was. Peter was a bit of a, a person that was ready to, ready to go. And Jesus selected Peter. And he was dysfunctional and he was crazy and he was wild. But Jesus knew that one of these days, Peter is going to turn the corner and Peter is, I'm going to build the church off of him. So you got to be careful how you evaluate people. Because the people that might be difficult, 
the people that might be rough, the people that might have a little issues, those are the people sometimes that God picks because he says, if I can just get to them and change them, they'll start a church. You're looking at somebody right now that God had to snatch and take and change. I wasn't born with the Bible in my hand. Come on, somebody. I wasn't always on the right track, and God had to take those things and shape them and bring them and put me in to a place where he could use me. And I'm not unique in that. God wants to use each and every one of you and whatever world he's placed you in, whatever place he's placed you in, he says, I need you. And, and Peter was a bit of a Marshawn Lynch, a little rough around the edges. And I love what Peter, what Jesus says to Peter and about Peter in Luke chapter 22. This is before Jesus goes to the cross. This is before Jesus really hands the church over to Peter. This is what he says about him. He says, Simon, Simon, that was his nickname for Peter. Satan has asked to sift each of you like wheat. Wheat was, you know, the way they would sift it, they would, they would kind of separate uh, the, the good parts of the wheat to the chaff, and they would kind of throw it up, smash it, throw it up, and beat it up. In other words, he's saying, Simon, the devil wants to beat you up. But look what Jesus says. But I have pleaded in prayer for you. That, Simon, that when your, that your faith should not fail. So when you have repented and turned to me again, strengthen your brothers. Other versions would say, would suggest that, of the Bible would suggest that Jesus is basically saying, Peter, you're going to mess up. But I've prayed for you. Peter, you're going to lose your backfield. Peter, the thing that you thought was so strong, you're going to lose. But guess what? I've got a Marshawn Lynch waiting for you. I've got something that I'm going to bring out when you need it. And when you receive it, you are going to actually be the one to strengthen your brothers. Peter, you're going to be the one. The one that's going to make the biggest mistake is going to be the one that's going to find repentance, find their joy, and come back and change the world. Peter, you're the one that I'm looking for. And I want to I suggest some things to you that as a believer, and maybe you're just starting your journey with God, that's fine. This may be new to you, and that's good. And maybe you've been in this thing for a while, and you need to be refreshed and be reminded. There are four things that every believer should be practicing every single day. There are four things that you need in order to be strong. These are, the, these are principles, these are practices that are like the Marshawn Lynch. The thing that sometimes gets put on the back shelf, the thing that sometimes we say we don't need, we're going to try something new. And when those things fail, God says, I want you to go back to this. And I, I want to give these to you now. So as you prepare for 2020, you can go back to this and say, these four things, I need to check this to make sure every single day, these are four things that are important as a believer. Let me give them to you. Then I'm going to break them down one by one. And I'm going to use what Peter has to say because Peter's been through it. Peter has been, had gone through a conversion process. Peter had figured out, yeah, at the end of the day, I need these things in order for me to be successful. 
And here are the four things you need to be doing as a believer every single day, practical things. Number one is prayer. Somebody say prayer. Prayer. Number one is prayer. Number two is worship. Worship. Number three is Bible study. And number four is service. This is your Marshawn Lynch. This is your go-to right here. This is your Super Bowl run in the spirit. This is what you need. Prayer, worship, Bible study, and service. Prayer, worship, Bible study, and service. Say it one more time. Prayer, worship, Bible study, and service. Every single day. Now, here's the good news. You get to go at whatever pace you are at. I'm not going to tell you how long to pray. I'm not going to tell you what to pray. I'm not going to tell you when to pray. Because when you start these things, what happens is they start to grow. And really for you, it's just a check. Have I prayed? Have I worshipped? Have I studied my Bible? Have I served someone today? Really simple. Put them in practice. Doesn't matter if you're not going to church. Doesn't matter if you have a church to go to. You don't. Doesn't matter if you believe or don't believe. These four things. When you need it, they'll come out. And they'll be strong. Because right now, these things are getting ready. So, to be ready for you so that you can be game day ready. So, here's the first one. Prayer. Now, we're going to hear what Peter has to say. And Peter has to say something about this in 1 Peter chapter 5. You might want to write these verses down. These might be good verses for you to write down or you can listen to later on the podcast, which is on the app. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 7 through 10. Oh, excuse me. 1 Peter chapter chapter 5, verses 6 through 9. So here's what Peter has to say about this. He says, so humble yourselves under the mighty power of God and at the right time he will lift you up in honor give all your worries and cares to God for he cares for you stay alert watch out for your great enemy the devil he prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour stand against Firm against him and be strong in your faith. Remember that your family members of believers all over the world is going, is going through the same kind of suffering that you are. Let me go to verse 7. Chapter 7 right there. Give all your worries and cares to God for he cares about you. Here's what prayer does. Prayer gives you perspective prayer lets you hear what God thinks prayer is not just you talking to God about something and leaving that's not a good relationship as someone talks to you all the time and then leaves right prayer is a conversation it's a dialogue some of you knew the faith like wait a minute if I talk to God, is he going to speak back to me audibly? Most people don't experience that. 
I don't experience God's audible voice saying, Terrence, thank you for praying. That'd be a little creepy. But God did that. But I promise you, if you learn to listen to God, he will speak. A lot of times, and it's all connected, we'll talk about worship and prayer and service, but or worship, Bible study, prayer, and service, but, but prayer is getting God's perspective. Look at this. Give your worries and cares to God, for he cares for you. This is what sometimes we do in prayer. We say, God, I'm worried about this. I'm concerned about this. Here are my issues. And then we start leaving with him. He's like, whoa, 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 where are you going? I'm really worried about this thing, right? And God's like, I know, give it to me. And we just carry it around. Oh, my God, what am I going to do with this situation? Oh, my gosh, it's hurting me so bad. And God's like, can you please, can you just give it to me? Put it down. I'll take it. Oh, my God, God, why aren't you hearing me? Why don't you listen to me? You know what? I'm just going to do this. And then we just make some crazy decision. And then we're like, well, God, why didn't you intervene? He's like, don't put that on me. You didn't talk to me about that. You didn't hear my answer. You made some crazy decision because you were impatient and you didn't realize, starting with, that I care about you. See, if you pray to a God that cares about you, it changes everything. Because he says trouble is going to come, but there is enough trouble for today to just worry about today. So when you get up in the morning, you say, God, I know I might have some trouble today, but let me just get some perspective. Let me just make sure that I'm seeing things the way you're seeing them so I don't overreact or underreact. That I don't make a harsh decision and make things worse. That I just stop and say, God, what do you think about this? And then at the end of the day, the practice of saying, okay, this is the day that we had. This is, let me reflect on it. Okay, I'm not feeling any better or I'm feeling great. Let's wrap this up because when we give our anxieties and our worries and our cares to God, there is a freedom that comes from it. Peter says, I want you to humble yourself. That's verse six. He says, humble yourself. You know what humbling yourself means? It means admitting that you can't do it. And we don't like doing that. It means admitting you're wrong. Can I go a little bit further? It means admitting that your idea is crazy. I'm not trying to look at you exactly. I'm just looking this direction. It means, this is, this is hard to hear. You're wrong. Y'all see how quiet you got? You're wrong. You're like, I don't even hear that word. No, no speaker English. It's, Wrong. What is that in Spanish? There's no word for that in Spanish. Uh, what, what was it? Let me give her the mic. Let's say it one more time. Help me preach this. Yeah. Equivocado. Yes. That's right. Humble yourself. Prayer humbles you. It says, God, I can't take it. I can't do it. I don't know what to do. And then when we give it to God, God sometimes says, oh, yeah, you can do it. You could do even more. Prayer every day. And not just now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep, right? Not, not just vain repeating prayers. God, thank you for this food. Okay. 
What about, I don't like this person. I want to slap this person right now. What do you think about it? It's a conversation. Prayer every single day. Just talking to God. Talking to God as one who cares about you. Not as one who's afraid. Some of my most powerful prayers were in my darkest moments. I don't know if I, can I get anybody real up in here? Anybody that ever had some tequila or some vodka or had a, had a dark night somewhere? And you're like, God, you know, you know I remember one night I was, I was face down in a public toilet at Denny's. Okay, I'm, I'm just going to talk to some real people in here. Okay, I was face, eyes, lips all over the toilet at Denny's. Throwing my, my, uh, <laughs> my gallbladder up. Because I decided to drink a little bit and got out of hand. Almost got my butt kicked. I'm, I mean, I am, just, I am just glad to be hanging on to this toilet in the Denny's. My knees are soaking wet because the floor is wet. I'm talking about those kind of bathrooms. Public restrooms. Two in the morning restroom. And it wasn't even like a prayer. It was just like, what am I doing here? And God heard my prayer. You know what happened? My mama just happened to call me the next day. You remember this, mom? Oh, you don't remember that part. She don't know that part. I'm about to get whooped when I get home. Can't whoop me, mom. They don't do that no more. That's, that's abuse. Need to pray about that. My mom just happened to call me the next day. She didn't even know. And I happened to just talk about my stress and my problems. And she said, I'm coming to get you. And God answered my prayer. I didn't even know I was praying, but I just casted my care. What am I doing? And God heard the depths of my soul. Sometimes it's not in the church. It's not by a pastor. It's just you crying out to God, say, I don't want to do this. It's on your way to the booty call. Say, I don't want to go. I'm just going to talk to some real people in here. I, I don't got time to waste to not tell you the truth. That when you pray, God responds. When you reach out to him because he cares for you. And sometimes when you're wrong, you just don't like the answer God gives you. That's what you don't like. You don't like God to tell you, no, you're wrong. Move on. You should have never done that. Don't go here. Yes, I don't want you to do that. And when we respond, God responds. So that's prayer. Prayer. What's the next one? Worship. Worship. What's Peter have to say about worship? Second Peter chapter 1, 3 and 4. Look what he says about worship. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. I wish I could preach that. He's given us everything we need. We have received all of this by coming to, here's the key here, coming to know him. The one who has called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence. Somebody say his glory. And his excellence. And because of his glory and his excellence. He has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises 
that enabled you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. We have, back in verse 3, received all of this by coming to know him. Here's what worship means. Worship in a biblical, really the biblical uh, Hebrew definition of worship is worth, it comes from, well, the English translation comes from worth-ship, which means it is what you ascribe worth to. It is what you ascribe is value. It's the process of putting value to something. Here's what's interesting about the human experience. We know how to worship. And we worship all the time. It is what we ascribe worth to. What you feel is the most worthy thing in your life is actually what you worship. It's true. You ever seen somebody who's a Seahawks fan and they in church like this? Amen. Praise the Lord. Happy Sabbath. God bless you. Then on Sunday when the Seahawks are playing, ah, come on, yelling at the TV like, whoa, 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 bro, what, was the, what happened to you? It's because there's a value in the moment of the Seahawks. It's worship. Look, I'm, I'm telling you, there, there is worship all happening all of the time. Here's the thing. Nothing wrong with worship. It's just what you worship. And it's when you're worshiping. Worship. So what Peter is explaining is that we have received this divine power because we have come to know him. So here's the easiest thing about worship. Worship is pretty much taking the time to know God. It's sitting down and saying, let me turn this phone off. And let me just get to know you. And let me just give you my undivided attention. That's worship. God, you are the most important thing in my life for these next five minutes. That's real talk. You might have to start with five minutes. You might have to start with one minute. But what God can do in five minutes... What God can do. Well, look, we saw it this morning. We have a team meeting. And, and the Lord was just moving. In just a few minutes. And it was worship. Someone said, this is holy ground. Because when you. See, here's the thing about God. God is everywhere all the time. The problem is, we just don't notice it. He's in the room. So when we sing worship songs. The point of our worship is to get your mind and your attention off of everything else. That's really all it is. For you to just consider God. And every single day as a believer, you just stop and say, okay, God, this is your time. However I need to connect with you. Some people it's a song. Some people it's listening to a sermon. Whatever it is, I just want to make this my undivided attention time with you. That's it. When you start to that, it starts growing. Because you know what happens? It starts getting contagious. Because then you start looking around 
at your human relationships and you realize how invaluable it feels to give some to have your undivided attention and then you start doing that with people and then when your kids if you got kids they run up to you you put everything down you say oh let me just sit down and play with these dolls with you you know when you talk to kids you're supposed to get down on their level that's what God does to us God God gets down on our level as one who loves us he says oh I have your attention let me tell you how beautiful you are let me tell you how strong you are let me tell you how many things I've got in store for you you can't even imagine what I want to do in your life worship okay I better hurry up run out of time number three Bible study Peter goes on in the same chapter he says in uh, first, uh, chapter 2, verses 1 through 6, 16 through 21, For we are not making up clever stories when we told you about the powerful coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, when we saw his majestic splendor with our own eyes. Peter's like, I've been there. I saw Jesus. I saw a whole bunch of stuff. I saw the miracles. I saw all this wild stuff. I saw it with my own eyes, my experience. When we revealed, received honor and glory from God the Father, the voice came from the majestic glory of God and said, this is my dearly beloved son who brings me great joy. Peter's like, I heard God speak from heaven to him. We ourselves, he said, look, the disciples, we were there. We heard it, that voice from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. But then Peter breaks it down. Because of that experience, we have even greater confidence in the message Proclaimed by the prophets. Wait a minute. Peter, you were there with Jesus face to face. You saw the miracles. You saw everything. And Peter's like, that could have been enough, right? Like if I walk with Jesus for three years, do I really need the Bible? Peter's like, no, no, no. We were with Jesus face to face. We heard his voice. And now the Bible makes sense to me. No, no, no. He's like, now I get scripture. That's what the prophet said. Now it's driving me to scripture. Look what he says. You must pay close attention to what they wrote. Man, Peter's breaking this down for us. For their words are like a light lamp shining in a dark place until the dawn, day dawns and Christ the morning star shines in your heart. He's saying what was written is important just as much as I've experienced what is written is what makes the experience relevant pay close attention to it he says above all you must realize that no prophecy in scripture ever came from the prophet's own understanding or from human initiative no those prophets were moved by the Holy Spirit and they spoke from God So those people who God used to write the scripture were inspired by the Holy Spirit to give wisdom and understanding and power to everyone who would read it until Jesus comes. And Paul's saying, I've been there. I've seen Jesus face to face, but I got something to tell you. Pay close attention to the scripture. Know it, understand it, and read it. There's a difference between devotion and and Bible study. Devotion is if you read a scripture or read some spiritual passage and you're inspired or you're reminded of something and it makes you feel a certain way. True Bible study 
is like getting punched in the gut. True, I'm talking about let me understand this. Let me read this. Not just to read it on the surface, but let me study it. Let me look at the film. Let me reflect on it. Let me spend some time in it. And as a believer, every single day when you are studying a scripture, look, it could just be one scripture that you know. That's the only one I know. And every time you go back to it, you are working that thing. And God has given you understanding and given you wisdom and given you clarity. Because there's some things you won't understand until God shows you. How many of you know, have, have lived long enough to have remembered a Bible text but it didn't make sense till about 20 years later. It didn't make sense until you experienced what the Lord is my shepherd meant. It didn't make sense until you experienced the elders coming to pray for you, what that meant. So you gotta, it's gotta be in you. It's gotta be studied. You gotta dig. You gotta cultivate. You gotta work it. Because there's some things and there's some power in there that you need. Not just stories, not just experience, but truth. Bible, truth. That's right. Bible, we still believe in the scripture. And what the scripture has to say. Bible study. Okay, I better hurry up. Ran over time. Here we go. Last one. So we talked about prayer. Talked about worship. Talked about Bible study. I'll try to make this one real quick. Service. Not talking about once a week, every day. Here's what the Bible says about it. Here's what Peter says. First Peter chapter 4, 7 through 10. The end of the world is coming soon. Therefore, be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. Most of all, continue to show deep love for each other. For love covers a multitude of sins. Cheerfully share your home with those who are in need of a meal or a place to stay. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. You don't realize that as you're waiting to hear from God, someone that God has in mind, he sends to you to encourage you. Can I just tell you something that God is using you to encourage other people? In fact, here's what I love about Peter. Peter in his dark moment was trying his best to deny Jesus. If you're familiar with that, what happened was Jesus was going to the cross and and what Jesus was talking about when he said, I prayed for you, was this moment where Jesus, Peter, who loved Jesus so much and was so vocal about it, he told him, he said, look, you're going to deny me. When the time gets hard, you're going to abandon me. And that moment came, and Peter was in that moment cussing people out and cussing them and telling them, I don't, I don't even know him. Using all kind of ends and MFs and everything. I don't know Jesus. And you know what's crazy? The more he started talking, the more people believed he had been with Jesus. Like you, you, I know you're cussing, but you sound just like Jesus when you cuss. I know you mad, but you just look, you remind me of Jesus and you mad. He, I mean, he is cussing. He is going 
all the way in. And they're like, yep, he's been with Jesus. That's the dude. See, some of you have been with Jesus so long, like people know it. People see through all of that. They're like, nah, you go to church. Nah, you, nah, you, I know you can dance and you're doing a lot in the club. Kids call it, you're a try hard, is that right? But, but, but really, like, you've been with Jesus. Come on, stop playing. And sometimes, in your darkest moments, when you're not even thinking about it, I'm going to go real scandalous here. God can still use you. Sometimes it may have been not the right thing. You'll be like, you know, I ain't going to their church because they need, you know, <laughs> the old people don't think that. There's something about serving. There's something about getting up every weekend and saying, I'm coming to serve. The Bible says it covers a multitude of sins. That ought to be good news. That ought to be good news. Wait a minute. When I love other people, it covers a multitude of sins. Sign me up. Because I got a whole bunch of sins coming next week. So let me just sign up right now to be on the team. Because I'm going to need some cash in the bank. Because what service does is it puts somebody else first. And sometimes God speaks to you because you see how blessed you really are. You see how loving God really is. When you serve people that can't serve you back, when you give to people that can't give anything back to you, when you love people that don't even like you, it just does something. It shows you the unconditional love of Jesus that when you didn't like him and you didn't want nothing to do with him and you pushed him back, God kept loving you and coming after you and chasing you and sending stuff to you and blessing you when you didn't even want it. So you start sounding like Jesus, you start walking like Jesus, you start swagging like Jesus. And before time is over with, you have become this Marshawn Lynch that when game day comes, you're ready. You're ready for game day. Because you've been through it. You said, no, no, I prayed about this. I gave God my attention, I centered myself, and I worshiped. I studied the scripture so that I understood it and I serve God every single day. Put up that video for me, Sarah, again. And this is what happens. You start going to work and that's, what, that's what's happening. I can take that. Start looking at your tax return. Like, that's okay. I'll take that. You start going to the family reunion. Lord have mercy. I'll take that. The in-laws come over. The new neighbors are acting up. And God has says, all these, the baby is coming. And you say, you know what? All this is preparing me for the game. And eyes have not seen, nor ears heard, the things the Lord has prepared for the Seahawks through Marshawn Lynch. I just had to throw that in there. Game day ready. Church are we going to be ready to play? Because God wants to fill this, this house. God wants to double our occupancy. God wants to give. This church is for our community. And God is saying, all right, you spent time here. Great. Now it's time to play. Now it's time to get out of the locker room and get on the field. 
And I'm just declaring that 2020 is going to be the greatest year this church have ever seen. It's going to be the best year you have ever had. And God's going to do so many amazing things that you won't be able to handle it. So why don't we stand to our feet? I just want to pray for you today. We talk about our next steps to just get started with Jesus, to get baptized, to get involved, to get invitational, to get generous. Whatever your next steps are, I want to pray a prayer of blessing over you as you go into 2020. Father, I pray for everyone in this room, everyone that's listening or watching, that today they will hear from you. They will make a covenant with you today to just put in practice these four things in their daily lives. To pray, commitment to prayer, commitment to worship, commitment to Bible study, commitment to service. And I pray that you will bless every person in this room as they go into another year, into another decade, that you are preparing them for the greatest season of their life. We know that it won't be without tragedy. We know that it won't be without bad news, but it also won't be without victory. And we will push forward and we will give you everything that we have. I pray right now that you will make them believe today all that you are believing for them and with them and that they will receive a sense of confidence to know that your will is what's best for them. Thank you for this last Sabbath of the year. Lord, as we close it out, as we go home, we look forward to celebrating you in the new decade, the new year, 2020. You've chosen for us to see it. And we pray, Lord, today the decisions that were made were made for all eternity. This is our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, somebody pray to give their life to Jesus.